Hello, I'm Sarah James, a lifestyle blogger and self-help aficionado. And I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and psychotherapist. And you are listening to Selfie, a weekly podcast in the Lifelisten Network about two women embarking on a self-care bender. We're both of the opinion that self-care is important, and yet it's elusive. And while we may have all the information we need, we don't always get there. We want to explore different aspects of self-care, from the silly to the serious, looking at body, mind, and spirit, and also just some random talk that's thrown in there for good measure. We also want to look at the defenses and distractions to keep us from caring for ourselves like we should. Hey guys. Okay. We have a great episode for you today. We're going to be chatting with Barrett Ward. He is a friend, but also someone who has founded a really incredible fashion line that does a lot of good for people around the world. Um, It's called Able. So we're going to chat with him in a minute. Sarah, how are you feeling today? (laughs) Well, honestly, I'm just, I'm just having kind of an off day today. I'm having, you, know, you said that when we connected and so am I, what's, what is going on with you? We're both a mess today. I have no idea. I have no idea. I just woke up feeling like a complete bobblehead, a little bit dizzy and having some trouble communicating today. Like I am tripping over my words <laughs> like crazy. <laughs> this is not going to be good. Well, I barely slept last night. Oh, and I just, I just popped open my handy, handy dandy flow app. Yes. And, oh, look at what it's telling me period in one day. Oh, really? Yeah. So, So, you know, I think I always have insomnia, but I think mine gets worse when my anxiety peaks when I'm having PMS. So I don't know. I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. I know. (laughs) Where am I? Both just going to be PMS. I know. I am so groggy. I, I was up to like three last night. Why were you and up I had to three? Wake. Just, I just couldn't sleep. Oh, I hate that. I hate that. You know, I just couldn't sleep. I read a book for a while. I scrolled Instagram for a while. Then I just finally got up and I ate food in the middle of the night. So I was like, maybe <laughs> I'm always hungry. Good. <laughs> right. <laughs> Nothing helped. I just finally fell asleep from pure exhaustion. I hate when that happens. Oh, that is the worst. I wasn't particularly stressing about everything, but I also felt just like a low level stress about everything. You know, it's funny. I'm feeling, I'm feeling the same way. I don't know if it's with my blog. I've, I basically went from the summer where I was posting once a week, if Mm -hmm. that, and I've kind of got it back up cranking to three posts a week, but you have, I feel like my brain cannot handle that many tasks <laughs> because I have, I have felt this way ever since I really started upping the amount of posts that I was writing. And it's like, I have too many tabs open in my brain or something. Yeah. I so, totally, I think that's a thing. I think what that's absolutely gives? a thing. I was talking to Dustin about this last night. I said, I, I ramp up my work and I feel really good about that. It makes me feel right. confident. I'm proud of it but I feel like my physical body takes the brunt or I try to take it easy so my body feels okay and then I don't feel proud because I don't feel like I'm working enough. Um, yeah, you just described my, I, I think you just described the experience of being an Enneagram three. I, so it's like, what do I do? I don't know. <laughs> I can't I don't find, know. I cannot find, I just can't find that line 
It's either. It's funny or. we're talking about this because just yesterday I had reposted this onto her selfie podcast Instagram feed, but this was from a writer named Lisa Turkhurst, and she said, "When a woman lives with the stress of an overwhelmed schedule, she'll ache with the sadness of an underwhelmed soul." <gasps> Whoa! Right? Yeah. We just have underwhelmed souls, Sarah. That's all. Just <laughs> we just soul. have underwhelmed souls. My soul. We just our souls are depraved. That's all. Just I, that. Our souls are so depraved. <laughs> what? Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, are, so what's going on with you otherwise this week since we've talked, like self care wise? Well, what's happening? I have I have lots of health related news. Oh, please tell. I mean, I swear to you. Remember when I was like. It was like a year ago. I'm like, I'm going to take care of all my healthcare issues this month. Right. As self-care. And it's just drug on for like an entire year. But I did finally go in. Well, I got a CAT a CT scan on my sinuses, right? Right. Because my face is constantly congested. I can only ever sleep on one side. It doesn't drain right. I always have post-nasal drip. Okay. So I went and got a CT scan. And then this is so classic me. Then I just didn't go in for the follow-up appointment where they tell me what it meant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for like three months. <laughs> like I finally called to like make the follow-up appointment and she's like, um, you're not even even authorized anymore. Like, <gasps> oh, yeah. Like we have to get a special exception. So anyway, you know, I got a little wrist slap. But um, I know you're waiting on pins and needles to find out the – the um, prognosis of my sinus cavities, Sarah. <laughs> I kind of actually am. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, so I do have a devi- deviated septum, which I knew, right. but that does not seem to be the crux of the issue. The crux of the issue is that I have enlarged turbinates. And okay, let me just, let me, let me back up. Let me back up. The reason that I kept not going in to find out the results of my CT scan is that I knew at that appointment, he would also do a probe in my sinus cavity. That sounds awesomely not fun. Okay. Here's the thing I have to tell you. Spoiler alert. It really wasn't bad, but I freaked out so hard (laughs) in the chair waiting for it to happen. Of course you did. I had to take anti-anxiety med. He started... All he did was he put cotton balls with, um, like, pain reliever, numbing cream in them. He stuffed those up my nose, and I started crying. <laughs> and he was like, does this hurt? I'm like, no, I just am really scared. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'm freaking out. I'm just completely freaking out. I'm just super weird about things coming at my mouth or nose. Yeah. 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 You know, I don't like the dentist. I don't like this. So he finally does it. And it's, I mean, Sarah, it's literally like the circumference of a paperclip, right? Tiny camp. Like it's flexible. It's like a little teeny tiny wire. A cute little (laughs) wire went down my nose, barely felt it. And took like, I mean, in and out in five minutes. So he gets to show me my turbinate, which is covered in you know, snot, which is why everything's bad. So then he decides he's going to shoot a syringe full of um, a steroid Mm -hmm. into both nostrils. Okay. And he does that. And um, I have massive improvement. Really? Massive. (gasps) That's awesome. I know. I can sleep on both sides. I have not done that in years. So, like, what's the upkeep here? I mean, you just have to have steroids shot up your nose? Well, I don't know. 
Um, I'm going to go back in because he did say, he's, he said, we're going to see how you do on this, but most likely we're going to do another technique, which is like this balloon technique. Yes. It's, it's basically turbinate reduction. The very happy news in all of this is that I think I can fix my issues without fixing my deviated septum, awesome. which is a very involved surgery. It's very involved. Whereas all the turbinate reduction stuff is just way, way less intrusive. Well, that's great news. Yeah. So I don't know. I'll keep you posted. Um, but I, it, I, I'm kind of amazed that I feel so much better. And I was like about to go have my deviated septum fixed. Well, I know. I, so I'm really glad I got this opinion. I'm super happy about that. That sounds yeah. way less involved. Yes. Very interesting. Huh. What is up with you this week? Oh, well, since I've talked to you last, I've done two things of import that I think that you might find interesting Okay. and mock-worthy. Oh, oh, wow. Does I, it involve crystals? Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had my aura read. Of course, you, I was literally about to say, does it involve your aura? Um, of course you did. <laughs> I had of my aura read, and then also, within the same week, I saw a psychic medium. Two oh, different, Two different Lord. people. <laughs> good Lord. Aren't they, I mean, what's the difference here? Well, first of all, there's far too much to say, so I'm going to have to stretch oh. this out <laughs> into two, <laughs> two different podcasts. I'm just going to cover the aura reading today. You're going to leave us hanging on the psychic? Yeah, I'm going to leave you hanging on the psychic part. She speaks to spirits. I don't really know what she calls. I don't think she calls herself a psychic. I'm not sure. But the aura reading. She speaks to spirits. I got to tell you this because I'm I'm ready. I'm like sitting here. I've got my like defense shield up. I'm ready for the mockery to come at me. But I'm going to tell you what she said to me. And I just want to see what you have to say about this. Okay? Okay. I'm listening. So I don't know this woman from, okay, first of all, I was at a wellness event. I was helping the owner of the spa do some social media. So I was like, you know, taking some photos and videos. I wasn't planning on actually doing any of the stuff at the wellness event. But at the end of the day, she's like, do you want to do an aura reading um, with Yosh? The, the woman's name is Yosh. And is I, that her God-given name? I don't know. I didn't a... ask her that, Kristen. Excuse you know, me. Is your name really name. Yosh? It's a hippie name she gave herself. She, she, she's actually <laughs> fabulous. I'm like, well, yeah, I'll just do it. So this woman does not know anything about me, okay? Just keep that in mind. I think I told her my name. Got it. I'm Sarah. That's, okay. And I sat down. I wasn't really expecting, you know, I'm just like, whatever. So she just closes her eyes. She's like, sit, sit there and relax. And so the first thing she says to me, she like opens her eyes. She goes, I'm seeing <laughs> a field <laughs> of wild horses. And the first thought that goes through my mind, my cynical mind, is I'm wearing um, a dress by Doan. You know the brand Doan? Yeah. Okay, you know, they're just kind of like holly hobby chic prairie they're dresses. prairie dresses, yeah. for sure. So I'm wearing yeah. one of those. So the first thing in my mind is like, oh, we're in Oklahoma, and she thinks I'm a farmer. She thinks I'm a rancher because <laughs> she sees my dress, and she's trying to speak to me through wild horses. This is a bunch of bullshit. Um, so... I'm like, yeah, horses. And she said, yeah, I see you there. And this is, this is what I'm getting from this. She goes, there's all these wild horses and you have to like, you have to rein these horses in. You have to get these wild horses in the pen, but you're not getting them in. 
And I said, why? She's like, because you are so caught up in the details that you can't ever get to an end point for a goal for yourself. And she's like, and I just sat there, my mouth kind of opened a little bit. She goes, you're so concerned with how to get those horses in the pen that you can't get them in the pen. She's like, you just okay. need to get the horses in the pen. Don't think so hard about all the different ways to do it. Which, okay, Kristen, right? I actually, I feel like she's talking about our selfie website. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is a prophetic vision about our selfie website. But anyway, go on. Yeah. Don't, business aside. Business aside. <laughs> but you know, you know that. Like that is, that is me. I it get so tripped up you. in the details. You do. So then she says, and then she, it's like she can, she envisions these things. She goes, now I'm envisioning you, you know, you're in a really busy city and you're just surrounded by people and you, you feel really sick. She's like, what I'm getting from this is that you just, you take on a lot of other people's energy and mm-hmm. it makes you physically feel unwell and you need to like carve out space for yourself, um, to keep people out of your, like beyond your boundaries, because it actually Mm. makes you feel unwell, which is also my life story. Like I can read the energy in a room in a second. If someone's in a bad mood, I feel sick. And so she's telling me all that stuff. And I'm just thinking like how, how, it was just, everything was so on, like hitting the nail on the head. And she's like, and you need to like not be such a people pleaser. You, you know, you, you just let people push you a little bit too far. She's like, you're not charging enough for the work you do. Um, it was just, it was really insane. That's so interesting. I came home and told it all to Dustin. He's like, well, yeah, it's like, she totally had your number. Like she said every single thing. And it was funny because when I sat down, of course I was like, Ooh, I want to hear something like fun, like about my personal life or or like my health or my future. Like the last thing I was thinking about was my career. And the whole thing was completely career oriented, which was really interesting. Hmm. That is so interesting. So I don't know. I'm still like, there's a part of me that's like, whoa. And then there's a part of me, there's that like cynical part that wants to say like, but a lot of that could apply to any woman. And I feel like that's like, that's the message that Rachel Hollis is preaching that's so popular or Glennon Melton is preaching that's yeah, so popular. Like maybe. in a way it is kind of the universal message to women right now, but yeah. I will admit that it does sound strangely specific to you. It was strangely specific, especially the whole will, detail thing. I mean, you've said that to me a hundred times. He's like, you're like, that's why we work so well together because you're more like big picture you know, like you yeah. can, you can get it there. And I'm, you, I'm always the one that's like, but wait, but wait, what about this? What about this? And you're like, it doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't Slam matter. Slam at home. Slam at home. Slam at home. <laughs> anyway, so that was the aura reading. I will, um, I will tell you my, um, my other one next week. Okay. But I need a little, I, I need, well, I need you to walk me through when she's reading your aura. Uh-huh. Is she, is she taking a photo of your aura and uh-huh. then looking at it? No. Or she, she's just looking at you. She has a piece of paper. And it has a, like a human form on it. And she has all of these um, colored pencils. And so she like shuts her eyes and then she talks to me about one thing. And then she grabs what color and she starts coloring the aura around the little body on the piece of paper. So she... So she's intuiting your aura mm-hmm. herself. Mm-hmm. Because I've seen like places where they take a photo of your yes. aura, which seems more 
objective. But yeah. she's like kind of psychically. She's intuitive for sure. Aura. Yes. Yeah. Got it. Yes. And so you end up leaving with this piece of paper with the different colors that your particular aura might have like several different colors. Mm. But I just, I, I was kind of blown away about colors. how specific she was. Yeah, that is, I mean, that is interesting. I'm, I'm borderline skeptical and intrigued. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel too. I mean, I'm not really changing anything. I was like, thanks for that information. Yes, you, you nailed me and I'm not doing anything about it. Goodbye. <laughs> that's so funny. Oh, yes. Okay, so let's get to our two thumbs up. Well, I am sitting on mine right now. What is that? What? <laughs> I know. So remember in our selfie Facebook group, which hello, everyone needs to join if you haven't already. It is like the best little group of friends talking about all of the things. But someone, not even me, but someone else had started a conversation on good office chairs and I really needed one. Yeah. Um, because I now have a desk, which is amazing. Um, and I had been sitting on this one that I bought at TJ Maxx and it was making my back hurt. And someone raved about the bouncy ball seats. Oh, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Like the big balls. Yeah. Like they're, I basically, I had one when I was pregnant with my girls, like they're birthing balls kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So anyway, I, I got one, but the one that I got, the one that I found on Amazon, because I didn't like the idea of just a big old plastic ball that I sit on, uh-huh. you know, like that, like is going to be plastic against my calves or I don't know. And it just also didn't like the look. So I found this one on Amazon and it is, it has like a chenille casing around it. Okay. And so instead of being like plastic blue or plastic black, it's like taupe, chenille. Oh. And it, so it's pretty. Yeah. And it feels so good. It does feel so good. So you don't have a back? No. So does that no. bother you over time or not at all? Well, I think, I, I, I believe that it's a thing that I'm going to need to work up to because I do start to get a little tired because you do have to engage your core and you have to sit up straight. I mean, there, you, you absolutely cannot slouch. No. And I feel like it's good for everything all the way from the pelvic floor on up because, you know, it's, it's curved. So you're yeah. not really sitting hard on your pelvic floor. Right. Uh, and it's forcing you to sit up straight. I mean, there's, you can't lean or you would fall you over. fall over. So it is kind of a practice of balance, like low level balance. I mean, it's not hard to do, but I will say after about two hours, my body's like, I'm done. Which, you know, you know what, is actually probably good because it probably forces you to, like, get up and move around for a little bit. It does. And so then I will actually, I'll get up and I'll go sit on my sofa for a little bit. So I'm, I feel like I'm working up to this being comfortable all the time. That's really cool. You know, I have been, well, first of all, I have to say, when I was doing all the pelvic floor therapy years ago, mm -hmm. that's what they recommended that I work oh. on was a ball. Because okay. you're exactly for the reasons you said, like, you're not putting pressure on that pelvic floor or any particular mm -hmm. part of the pelvic floor. It's yeah. more like a uniform. It's low. like a shared pressure. Yeah. Yeah. So they love that. And yeah, you're like, you're working your core you while you're working. Yeah. I mean, not in a hard way. It's, it's yeah. not hard, but it's just, yeah, you do feel a little fatigued like hour two, hour three. Which is cool because your body's, I mean, you know, your body's working a little bit. I will say this. They do have them with backs. They do. Yes, they do have them. You can buy, actually, I have, I have, um, cause I bought another one. 
of course. Because you did, Before yes. I bought the Chanel one. Yes. Um, and it, it's on rollers. It sits on rollers. Okay. So it's, it's like a frame for the ball. This is very so, interesting. So you have a back. But I will say, it, I don't know, like the back is almost like it's there, but you still can't really lean against it because right. it really does force you to sit up straight. I might have to do this because I sit at my dining room table and we just got, we recently got new dining room chairs um, at, the, at this new house and they are super comfortable, but they have kind of this um, deep fabric seated area that I mm-hmm. find as I'm on my computer, my pelvis slips forward, you know, mm-hmm. and I start really slouching and like that C curve kind of creates where my pelvis is really jutted forward and I'm kind of bent over and it's not good. Yeah. It's not good. Yeah. No, you should check this out. The ones, the one that I got from Amazon and I'll, I'll link up to it on our, um, sluffypodcast.com, but they have leather covers. They have chenille. They have kind of a twill. They have multiple colors. Okay. So like, it doesn't look like you've got an exercise ball sitting at your desk. It looks like you have an exercise ball ball covered in chenille. Exactly. (laughs) Well, they also have some with like panda faces. Oh, that's what I want. So you're probably going to want that one. Okay, mm-hmm. good. I'm glad. I was wondering if they had like some sort of like animation drawing. Yeah, okay. I know. I know you're going Pokemon? with like an animal motif in your room. So <laughs> no, I was going to look for a Pokeball, Pokemon. Let's see if they have one <laughs> your of those. kids would love that. Oh, they'd love it. Uh-huh. They'd love it. Um, okay, so I have a book for my two thumbs up. Okay, called The Female Brain. Have you oh. have you heard about it? I have heard of it. I think I even own it, and I just haven't read it yet. You probably do. It's written yeah. by this a scientist. I think it's been around for um, 10 or 20 years. And it just basically goes through all of the stages of a woman's life and what kind of chemicals and all of the things happening in the brain, what's happening during that mm. particular time. So it's super interesting, but I have to. I've got to tell you about this. I don't think this is supposed to be funny. Like, I don't think this is supposed to be funny. But at the first of the book, there's this chart that says phases of a female's life. And so it basically has fetal, girlhood, puberty, sexual maturity, pregnancy, on and on and on, all the way past menopause, right? (laughs) And then it has like all Uh these columns saying, you know, what's happening in the brain, what chemicals are high, what chemicals are low. And then the last column is called reality change. And it's basically telling you what your interests are during that time. Okay. So for instance, (laughs) girlhood, it says major interest in playing and having fun in connection with other girls, not boys. Okay. So like, that's the kind of focus for girlhood. Then you go into, you know, pregnancy, major interest is in physical well-being, coping with fatigue, nausea and hunger, and not damaging the fetus, surviving the workplace, planning maternity leave. So, you know, you get what it's doing Mm -hmm. here. So I go down to perimenopause, and this is what it says. This is what it says. (laughs) Major interest is surviving day to day and coping with the physical and emotional ups and downs. It kind of what? feels like that. What? I know, but it does. But how sad is that? Your major it's interest, really sad. let me repeat, is surviving day yeah. to day. Oh my it's God. Accurate. That feels accurate. It's so funny and sad at the same time. I'm like, that's what I'm doing right now. Like, it's not, oh, worried about my well-being or child rearing. I'm just trying to flipping yeah. survive day to day. Well, I'm laughing because I thought I owned the book. 
um, I do not, in fact, own the female brain. Okay. I own a book called Female Brain Gone Insane, <laughs> an emergency guide for women who feel like they're falling apart. Oh, I so need that one. that's the one I own. Okay, well, I need, can we, can we switch? Like, let's, I'll send you this one. Yes. But the good we'll news have a is, book club. once you're in menopause, your major interest is staying healthy, improving well-being, and embracing new challenges. So I just think that we, we are literally okay. in the roughest part hormonally, as far as our brains are concerned. It's like, we Dude, just got to get through these 40s. I was seriously thinking that last night as I was laying in bed, not able to sleep, like, like, is there's an end, right? Like, is oh, there no. an end to this? Like, no. am I going to be just like 55 and happy and vibrant? I think that you're going to be, uh, from everything I've read in this book, all of these, well, because the hormones, they're not flipping out anymore. Like, it's a much calmer right. time. So I am like, wow, I never thought I wanted to be 50 something, but I will welcome it. I will embrace it with open arms if that means I don't have to survive day to day. Same. Okay. So that was my, that's my first one. My second one is, uh, quickly, I have a new moisturizer that I love. Oh my gosh. I love it so much. I'm not going to talk about it too much here cause I could go off, but moon is a brand that I have used since day one when I switched over to green beauty. I love mm-hmm. it because it's like simple, simple ingredients. It works. It's just awesome. They just added they have a serum, I think I've probably talked about it before, that many, many people love, and it's great. But they've never had, like, a moisturizer. So lots of times people would be like, oh, I love this serum, but I need a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of felt the same way. So they just came out with a moisturizer. And it is, it's described as a gel cream. And it's almost like they mixed an oil and a face cream together. Hmm. And it's amazing. It is, I, I cannot, I can't believe I lived without this moisturizer, but I mean, it's so fantastic. It smells citrusy and light. I know you're going to love the smell, Kristen, because it's just kind of like that light, fresh citrus smell. Oh, I love citrus. And it just makes your skin so hydrated and plump and it doesn't clog. Oh man, it is good stuff. And it just came out, I, it came out like last week, but they sent it to me early. So I've been using it for a month and a half. I didn't want to say anything until I had it, like, you know, six weeks under my belt to make sure I really love it. Mm-hmm. But I do. So I'm telling you about it now. Also, if you ever buy anything from Moon on their website, um, if you use the code WORL, you get 15% off. And that's... I need to finally try this stuff. I really oh. do. Because I know you love it so much. And the pa- just the packaging oh. alone is so beautiful. Well, I know we're both suckers for aesthetics. We're but. so suckers. But I will say, she carries a travel set... So it has everything because the line only has five things in it. It's not like some crazy, it's a great little simple line. You can get all five of those things, but they're in smaller bottles. So you can try them and the code still works for that too. That's what I would suggest doing so you can try it all out. I want to try that. Do it, girl. All right. I had one more random thumbs up, but it is, I just found these. (laughs) This is so random. I found these at a gas station. (laughs) What? (laughs) But then they, I was looking for a snack at a gas station and my boyfriend always laughs at me because I actually do prefer healthier chips and snacks. Yeah. Yes. I think you're probably the same way. Yes. Like give me a quinoa chip. Yeah, totally. Give me a chickpea puff. Like oh, I'm, yeah. I, I'm not just trying to be healthy. Like I actually like those things. So yeah. I'm in a gas station eating a snack on a road trip and I find these roasted fava, fava beans. 
Ooh. Oh my gosh. They're so delicious. And, and all they are is roasted fava beans. So they really, they're high protein. They're relatively healthy. So anyway, I ended up finding them on Amazon as I do. Um, the ones that I like are enlightened sea salt roasted fava beans, and they come in an individually sized package and they're just like the perfect crunchy packaged salty snack. That's so much better than like a potato chip. Okay. And I like that they come in individual sizes because if I don't do individual size, I'll eat the uh -huh. entire big bag. Uh-huh. So you got to like um, cut yes. me off. <gasps> Same. I've never tried these before. They're weirdly good. They're really crunchy. I don't know. I really, I actually like them more than chips, but I'm a weirdo. Oh. All right. Let's take a quick break. We're going to talk about a new sponsor today. Um, and I'm super excited about this one. It is a exercise wear brand called Outdoor Voices. Now, Sarah yes. uses these exclusively. She has talked my ear off yes. about this brand. So I finally got to try it. <laughs> and I am a convert. It is really, really good. So Outdoor Voices, they believe that harder, faster, stronger is not necessarily always better. So they really designed their gear for doing things, being active, but also having fun. Oh, yeah. So you know I am totally on board with this philosophy because we talked about a couple podcasts ago how I stopped with all my full bore crazy workouts and started walking every morning instead. Yes. So Peaceful. I always do that walking with my out. I have a little doing things. They make a little hat that says doing <laughs> I, things on it, which, by the I way, know. people ask me about that hat all the time. They're like, that is the coolest hat, doing things. I'm like, yeah, doing things. I'm out doing things. But and you you are doing that walk with your doing things hat and Instagram living it on the regular, <laughs> which I love. I love it. That has become my. I mean, I don't know. I I love it. I'm like, any more questions you have for me while I'm walking? And oh, it's awesome. Trying totally. not to trip over the sidewalk. Um, but they really do outdoor voices. They encourage living happier, healthier, more sustainable lives through daily exercise of any form, it's really more about getting out there and trying than setting some arbitrary record. Well, the philosophy is great, but let's talk about how it looks. Oh, yeah. You know, that's what I care about. So I was really impressed with the fabric okay. because the pieces that I got, you know, one of the things that I hate about workout wear is if it's too thin or if it is just like kind of like low-key see-through, their fabric is really great. It is engineered for performance, but, you know, also for comfort. Um, their signature textured compression, which is what I got, it sculpts and supports you. You almost feel like it's giving you good posture, but it's not too tight either. Right. You know, it's, it's really that perfect blend of kind of sculpting everything in, uh, but also being something that you could wear all day without feeling like, oh my gosh, get these off me. Right. Um, they also have a different fabric that I haven't tried, but it's tech sweat, which is more of a cool to the touch material that wicks sweat away and keeps you dry during those really high intensity workouts. Yeah. I, I have both those different fabrics. I personally prefer the texture compression. Um, they have a specific legging called the warm-up legging, which they have in mm -hmm. all different lengths. Um, and I have all the different lengths. I love them. And I'm a huge fan of their muscle tees. That's usually what I wear when I'm walking in the morning. I have pretty much replaced all of my workout gear with Outdoor Voices. They really are awesome. So we have a great deal for you. For 20% off your first order of $100 or more, you can visit outdoorvoices.com slash selfie and enter the promo code selfie. 
Once again, visit outdoorvoices.com selfie and enter the promo code selfie for 20% off your first order of $100 or more. All right. Well, we are here today with Barrett Ward. Hey, Barrett, how are you? Barrett is fine. I'm good. How are you guys? <laughs> We're good. We're super great. I've never third person to myself before. That was first awkward moment of the It was the a podcast. strong start. That was a strong start. I we wanted like to come this. out with, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do some Barrett nose points okay. throughout the <laughs> podcast. We are looking forward to this <laughs> greatly, greatly. So Barrett is the founder of Able, which is a lifestyle brand that actually, Kristen, you introduced me to this brand. I think I did. Thank you, I am a I have been a big fan for a long time. Yeah, you have. Yeah, you have. Barrett Big fans big fans all the way around now. So that's what we got. Oh we got a circle of fandom. For Mutual sure. Fandom. And we can get to this a little later, but I have to say this new line that you're doing is pretty amazing. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of in love. Oh good. Well that's good to hear. And I actually um, have nothing to do with anything that looks attractive or <laughs> aesthetically on trend in my in this company. Um, I, I do nothing to inform that. I'm more of kind of like jazz hands um, and go around and do Barrett nose quotes. Oh. You're like the, the hype man of the company. <laughs> hype man, <laughs> yeah, my own hype man. Okay, so can you please like let's can we go back a little bit and talk a little bit how this all got started? Yes. Well, so my my wife, Rachel, is a really courageous woman. And when we were getting married, she uh, she got a job offer to move to Ethiopia and run an orphanage. And I was working with a nonprofit called the Mocha Club at that point. And I didn't think it was a good idea to move at the beginning of marriage to Ethiopia. Kristen, do you have any comments on that? <laughs> You know, I don't know that I'd recommend it. <laughs> yeah, it, it seemed like it could be straining on our relationship, but just a tiny, um, bit, just a tiny bit challenging. <laughs> it, it was an extra bit of challenge. Also, as we were consummating our relationship, we also lived with uh, 30 plus children. So that wasn't <laughs> the best choice either. But Sounds romantic. Super. <laughs> it was and it wasn't. It was and it wasn't. But we, um, so when we moved to Ethiopia, you know, I was working in the nonprofit sector with vulnerable children and vulnerable women and um, working particularly started working with women coming out of the commercial sex industry. And I just had never come up close and personal to that space. I'd never met with those women. And I probably even had in the back of my head some level of judgment that these women had made some bad choices in their life. And that's how you get into prostitution um, but as we started meeting with these women, you start hearing their stories and more and more and more, we found out that these women were actually, as, as Sarah and Kristen, you both know, they're making incredibly heroic decisions by going into yeah. the industry that they were in, in order to protect their families. I mean, in the capital city with extraordinary unemployment, um, and women and children always being hit first by that unemployment women often have to make pretty terrible choices mm -hmm. to do what they have to do. And so as I was hearing all those stories, the, I would say the reason Abel came about, as Rachel and I were listening to those stories, we realized 
number one, these were women that wanted an opportunity. And number two, as you, as you talk with them, their big thing was, look, we love the charity that you're giving us. The health care is wonderful. Um, the job training even is wonderful. The counseling and therapy we do amongst ourselves with the local Ethiopian community is wonderful. But at the end of the day, when this period of time is over, we're going to be back to the commercial sex industry if you aren't able to figure out a way to help us get a job. Right. And that was a really seminal sobering moment for me of feeling like, man, if we're going to be serious about solutions to poverty, we have to be creating economic opportunity for these women. And so that was it. It was not this grandiose, huge plan of creating a fashion company. It was in fact, just sitting down with these women saying, so, okay, well then we'll try to sell something. What do you know how to do? And they said they know how to make scarves or they could learn how to make scarves. And so away we go. We're a scarf company. You know, if they would have said, we know how to make uh, plastic mugs, we'd be the best, hopefully, plastic <laughs> mug company in the world. Um, so that's how we got into fashion and, and also how I know nothing about fashion. Uh, back in, let's see, we launched in October of 2010. So that's how we got started. Wow. So eight years. And you, you guys have really grown. Cause I remember, I, I mean, I, I owned many of the scarves. I love the scarves, but that was really it at first. They took off though. I mean, I feel like everyone I knew (laughs) had a scarf. Like I would show up to a blog conference and like (laughs) multiple people would be wearing the same scarf. I know because they're awesome. Yeah. I probably have you to owe owe you to that for that fact, but also um, the one campaign and Janine Harvey did some really lovely work to help us get out there and it was good. I think what happened was, is it was really at a time where social entrepreneurship was starting to happen, but there wasn't really a strong message out there about social entrepreneurship being about creating jobs for women. And I think that yeah. was the identifier that, that people really cared for. And, and, you know, we all know that if, again, if you're going to be serious about solutions to, job, or solutions to poverty, you do have to create jobs, but you also have to do so for women. And, and that's, that's not just a heart statement. That is a socially, scientifically proven fact that when a woman yeah. has a job, uh, she has an, a, a more significant impact on a community than does a man. You know, there's the reinvestment that a woman does into a community at a, at a, at a two times clip of a man, like 80 to 90 percent back into the community versus a man at 30 to 40 percent. So all those kind of facts, while we were just starting out with three women you know, and, and hoping to help Bezuayu and Mulu and Meslu have a job. Little did we know that we were stumbling upon num- number one, something like you're saying, Kristen, that people identified with, but also number two was actually the most strategic way to fight poverty of empowering women. Yeah. That's amazing. So you went from, you started with scarves and then you guys branched into jewelry was the next step, I think. Yeah. So we in 2000, so it was October 2010 when we launched, and we were actually under a nonprofit at that point. And in 2014, our lawyers came to us and said, Look, you may no longer be a nonprofit. The, the way that nonprofits work and what you're, the, the, it's called UBIT for all the accountants out there that are, what? what? Um, <laughs> unrelated business income tax. And I have so, no idea what that stands for, but I trust you. Yeah. 
Yes, it's so important. And so our lawyer said we had to change in 2014, which was a scary thought to me. We had never planned on doing something like really big or commercial. But once once that happened, as I kind of feel like is the story of my life stumbling into the next thing, all of a sudden we had this opportunity to do a lot more uh, to scale at a much higher level. And so when we took on that opportunity to scale, the first thing we looked at, it was in our own, in our own town of Nashville. We had moved back to Nashville by that time. And of course there's women here going through the same things, right? And so the next level of our mission, the first level is just working with those women in Ethiopia. The next level was working with women more broadly coming out of different situations of poverty, whether it was homelessness or addiction or prostitution or just vulnerable women in general. We've grown to employ 20 plus women. Um, well, actually 30 plus women now working across all of our logistics and, um, and jewelry making that have come out of that background. But, but as you said, Kristen, the, the, that jewelry was the next big step for us. And, and it also was aligned with working with women locally in Nashville. And so that's when we changed to fashionable local and global. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you know, the goal was, well, holy mackerel, people like this jewelry too here <laughs> made in Nashville. And, and so then the goal became, you know what? Could we compete? with the big boys. Could we compete with the big boys and really create a full line of products that a woman could make all of her responsible choices at, whether that's, you know, shoes and denim and apparel plus jewelry and bags and all this kind of stuff is, you know, the socially conscious brand from head to toe. And so that's what we really went for, for over the last three years is to, develop a full collection of products where women could feel confident and that their purchase is doing good, that it's not doing harm. Yeah, and, absolutely. And talk for a sec just about, you know, why does that matter? I mean, you know, for people who maybe are not familiar with the consequences of fast fashion or, um, you know, largely produced clothing lines, wh- why should we care about where our stuff is from? Well, that's a big question. Um, You know, I think that aligns with some of the things that we're even trying to do now with our responsibility efforts. Uh, You know, I I, I think the first point to make there is just an education point. It's to understand that, and there's a great film on Netflix called True Cost that anybody can just Mm. pump up really fast and watch. And and that, that would be, if I could just say, just watch that and then come back to the podcast, that would be my choice because it really uncovers the reality of, you know, Bangladesh and China and the different places where we, we get these 10 to $15 shirts from that when we're getting such a good deal, it is probably likely that someone else is not getting a good deal. Right. And in mm-hmm. fact, statistically speaking, only 2% of the people that make the products we wear earn what's called a living wage Mm -hmm. and a living wage would be defined as, you know, in, in a, in a certain city, like in Nashville, a living wage is considered $11 and 13 cents per hour. And so, um, you know, in our national minimum wage is somewhere around $7 and 25 cents. 
And, and so that still doesn't rise to that level. But in many of these countries that our products are being made, the reason all this has been outsourced from our country is because, because the cost of labor was too high. So if we move out to these countries um, like Pakistan, if you remember that moment in time where there was a little boy sewing a soccer ball with a big Nike swoosh on the side and child labor mm-hmm. came out, it's, it's the reason you have to care is because the industry is set up to use extraordinarily cheap labor so that you can have a product that fits into, you know, I wouldn't even say fits into your budget. I don't think that's the fair word because a $10, it's really about three $10 shirts fitting into your budget as opposed to one $30 shirt. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and making conscious choices like that. I mean, I, I mm-hmm. once had somebody recently say to me, but don't we need that $10 shirt? And my first response was, well, not if it means a woman can't meet her basic needs and she has to work 12-hour days, six days a week. So, so no on that front. But also, we've been trained to think that we need that $10 mm-hmm. shirt. They want uh-huh. us thinking that right. we need that $10 shirt, right? right? You know, I mean, my grandma's house is still decorated the exact same way that it was in 1970. <laughs> and I am also pretty sure that that's the same piece of tinfoil she's been using. Um, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and the point is, is we bought into consumerism. I think in the last right. 20 years, consumerism has gone up 400%. And so in, in how much we spend on our clothing. And so all that to say, the reason we should care is, is because there's some sp- pretty specific impact that our choices are having on people across the, across the globe. And, and so I think it means cu- cutting back on consumerism a little bit, probably. Well, this is probably a perfect time for you to talk about this new initiative that Abel has, which is t- pretty much unheard of, right? Yeah, I have not seen anybody else in the world doing it. Um, and, and what it is, is we're publishing, and I'll kind of give some background to it, but what we've started doing is publishing our lowest wage in our supply chain. So we've started with um, and when I say just our supply chain, I mean our manufacturers, the people that make our products. And, and so here in Nashville, we published our minimum wage. So when you walk in the door in Nashville, that's $14 an hour, which is considered 126% of a living wage in Nashville. But can I talk about how we got to doing that or why we're doing that? Absolutely. Because um, that's – so for, for me, really a couple of years ago, really three years ago – I started getting into, you know, speaking about what we were doing at different events. And, and as I was doing that, I think the big thing that struck me was I can tell the story of one woman that we're having an impact on and the crowd cheers and then I can walk off and they believe that we're doing good work. And for me, I knew we were doing good work because we were intimately connected to the manufacturers that we were working with. But at the end of the day, as we started to scale and grow, I could no longer prove that impact by just telling a story. And, mm-hmm. and the consumer deserves more. And in fact, while that story of that one woman is critical and it's super important to develop empathy and, and that through line from what we own and wear to the person making it. So that individual story is important, but I think also kind of as Bono called it, factivism, you know, we also need to be aware of the details as well to accompany those stories, those heartfelt stories. So, 
So we started looking around. Does that make sense what I'm communicating through that? Yeah. And so we, we started looking around and saying, what kind of audits are out there that we can align with to really dig in and make sure that we're having the kind of impact that we want to have? And we looked for about a year. And I, I don't mean to disparage other audits. There's plenty of good ones out there. But the two things that we found were missing that we really wanted to see happen were, number one, that there was a there was an actual factory visit that happened on an annual basis and interviewed all the employees so that there was a real boots on the ground, not kind of a a risk mitigating uh, uh, audit that the brand could just put a seal of approval on their website with, but but a, a genuine audit that went deeply into understanding the impact of the work. And then the second thing that we saw missing was a particular focus on women. And being that that is our space and what we cared about, we didn't see someone really looking at safety and equality and wages and benefits. We saw that a lot of the audits were spread thin across a lot of different things. And so we would rather do, for example, our environmental portion of our audits through a different auditor that goes deep on environment. But what we wanted to do is be able to focus on the impact on women and do so by visiting the factories with, with deep research. So, so what we started was an audit called Accountable. And as we were cr- creating this audit and digging more and more into it, that's where I started to learn more about wage disparity. And, you know, as I kind of intimated to before, I think the thing that really started to hit me was is holy mackerel, if only 2% of the people that are making our products earn a living wage, the reality of that is that women are, and women are the biggest makers. So they make, they, they are 75% of the employees in the manufacturing of our, of fashion products around the world. And so what it literally meant to me was, is that women were making the products that we enjoy. And while we enjoy them, they're not even able to meet meet the basic necessities of themselves and their children. Right. Now that should be resonant. Like that that has to stop for a second. There has to be a pause and just go, hold on, literally the the clothes on my body are literally probably made by someone working twelve hour shifts that can't that can't meet their basic needs. Right. Mm-hmm. So that was no good. I could not I, I can't deal with that thought. Um as the father father of four daughters and you know it just, it, it just not good. So the question became to us, what do we do about that? And the, the moment you're referencing, Sarah, is that we really felt like if we're going to help consumers demand the right thing here, because clearly the government is not moving a minimum wage up to a standard of living that is reasonable. A minimum wage of seven twenty-five in our country is like $15,000 a year. I, that's not even... Nobody could live on that, right? right? So, so we can't work through, we think the government's moving too slow, so we've got to get it in consumers' hands. And so what we decided to do is almost create this nutritional label where at the top of it, it mm-hmm. says what the lowest wage earner is in our company. And by, by consumers having that access to that information we really believe that they'll start to demand change. Mm-hmm. And, and we look at it just like a nutritional label, like, you know, when the nutritional label came out, brands fought that like crazy. Companies fought that like crazy. Soup companies did not want you knowing that there was a thousand milligrams of salt in that can. 
<laughs> right. Um, you know, but but after that nutritional label has come out, we see these massive waves of shifts into organic and and mm-hmm. even the shifting of the nutritional label and, and what's in, informed on it changes over time and develops over time. And that changes consumer behavior. So long story short, we're publishing wages. And like you said, I think we're the first company that we've seen to do this because we believe if we give consumers that really clear, simple data point that just like when child labor came out, they demanded change, right? When child labor came out and Nike got busted, Nike tried to say, oh, oh, hey, this is not our fault. They tried to PR spin it all day long. But at the end of the day, consumers said, no, that's your fault. And they changed mm-hmm. it like, like immediately, right? And so we hope that within 10 years that all of our kids are going to look for that nutritional label on their clothes. And they're going to look at it and say, oh, well, they're not publishing their wages. I'm not buying from them. What, what are they trying to hide? So that's why we did it. Yeah. I mean, I hope people do follow suit because that's, that's, that's a huge deal. I mean, I just went to your website. I looked at it right there in front of my face, and it's really impressive. You're doing good, Barrett Ward. You're doing some good. We're trying. <laughs> We're trying. We're pouring our guts into it. I mean, what we've learned is quickly is that this is a justice movement and not a fashion movement. It's a, only a matter of time. Right. I mean, the trajectory of social consciousness has clearly continued to grow over time. You mentioned pouring your guts out. We just heard that you are a father of four, and you know this is a podcast about self-care. We've got to ask, like, what are you doing for yourself self-care-wise? Like, how are you finding a work-life balance here? You know, that's such a – I love that conversation, first of all. I mean, and and I have four daughters, like like we just talked about. For me, when we started ABLE – I just had recently somebody ask us, you know, why are our hours from nine to five? Uh, you know, we have over 60 employees here in Nashville now. And, um, and by the way, I'm only one of two dudes. So this is very much a woman's run company. It's a brilliant company. Wow. And, um, and so we, we set as a platform, we just kind of said, what are the things we care about in the beginning? Well, for me, and there was two other people I worked with at the beginning, I want to spend time with my children in the morning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I understand that not everybody gets to set their times at their jobs, but I think moreover what I'm communicating is at a principal level, what, what, what I said was in the beginning, well, I guess that's our hours then because I don't want to go until nine. And, and as much as our company has grown uh, and the demands of a fast-growing company, I'm so thankful to be able to say that we've never extended those hours and I've never really worked beyond those hours. I feel like I'm a nine to five guy. So, so maybe the larger principle there is, is decide the principles that are important to you and do not sacrifice. You, you have the ability to own those, those principles in your life. And so whatever works within the, the framework of your life, decide some principles and, and do not flex. Yeah. Um, because as, as this company was growing, I promise you there was some, um, well, first of all, there, there was years, there was a year where I was spent a good portion of it lying on the bathroom floor, crying my eyes out, begging for mercy. Um, and then, and then I eventually realized all I needed to beg for was Lexapro. So that was really helpful. Um, and that was 2014. 
Um, and so, you know, I took that medication and, and, uh, and, and got through that and it, and I'm off of it now. Not everybody needs to come off of it, but I did because it really helped me for a period of time. Um, but, but I guess, again, the point of that entire thought to me is, is no matter how challenging everything was, I was never going to sacrifice what was most important to me. And and that was raising my, being a part of raising my four daughters. So boundaries would be my self care. Yeah. Mm. Which are so That's hard. So hard. The boundaries are so hard. And, well, I think and it's hard Lord. for all of us, but I just would imagine it must be even harder when your job is like helping other people. I mean, yeah. if I work too much, you know, I don't know, like, no, if I work too much, it's not going or don't work enough. It's not going to affect like someone else's life that much. But like, I would imagine it's hard to go like, I'm just going to shut down because your job is like, it's, it's really, you know, it's got like a global cause behind it. You know, I, I appreciate that thought. And, you know, I, when I was living in Ethiopia, I had a buddy of mine that worked for um, an NGO there and he was confiding with me one night and he said, man, my wife is really getting on me cause I'm staying till like seven o'clock at night. But he, he kind of communicated the same thing you just said, Kristen, where he said, I just feel like I've got to stay later because the amount of lives that we're impacting, it's crazy. And, and I just want to keep working. And I said, and, and, and I said to him in return, well, bro, why are you cutting out at seven? He's like, what do you mean? It's like, why, why don't you work till 10 o'clock at night? Think how many more lives you could help. And he was like, well, come on, man. You know that's not what I'm going to do. And I said, well, wh- where's your arbitrary line? You right. know, you know like, like I think in all of our jobs, we could all justify an arbitrary line of, you know, whether you're a doctor or whether you're, you know, an hourly worker and able to work a few more hours a day in order to provide more. I think all of us could find that. But at the end of the day, if your principle's your principle, and and that was for me in that scenario was being a fam a person that could identify as what I what I viewed as being a family man. Um, and working nine to five and getting home for the kids. And certainly, I mean, after the kids are in bed, there's many a night that I'm putting in a couple of hours while watching, you know, reruns of Cheers on Netflix. So I'm not communicating that I didn't have to bend around those hours with my children. I mean, sometimes I'd get up at work from four to seven before the baby woke up. By the time the baby was up, bam, I wanted to be in it, you know? So... I think there's always an excuse, but for me, that, that was the focus. I think that's so good. I think that's, I think that's huge. And I, I love the question you ask, like, what's your arbitrary line? Because we all do have to have that line. And I think, you know, for, for anybody who's um, in a scenario, whether it's volunteering for the PTA or, you know, helping women across the globe, like, you do have to take care of your own family as well. Like, that's important. I wanted to transition into a little more uh, silliness now, but we do every week, Sarah and I share a two thumbs up, and this can be anything that we're liking, anything from a show to a product. Do you have, um, can you share with us one or two things you are loving right now? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I can. <laughs> um, 
The question is, do you want me to? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, I yes. will. Very semantic linguist. Um, okay, here's the thing I'm into. <laughs> it's uh, a new recipe for salmon I got. Now, it's got to be on a coal fire type grill, okay? Okay. So that's the key piece. If you're if you're smoking with or if you're cooking with gas, um, you're in the JV leagues. This so we're is going salmon. old school. Ooh. Yeah, this is salmon for varsity. For okay. Varsity folks. <laughs> um, so I so you put the salmon on. You get it to 425, and as soon as you put the salmon on, you shut down all the vents on your grill so that it's not the the flames aren't continually kicking. We're slow cooking here, and then you put this this uh, I don't know if the word is glaze or a basting of sort but the recipe for this is really simple it's three tablespoons of brown sugar one tablespoon of soy sauce and four teaspoons of dijon or dijon dijon and you you put that on the first on the upside the side that's facing up once you put your salmon on the grill and after six minutes flip it and just do it on the other side it, it cooks slower, so it'll take about 14 minutes possibly, but it'll be more tender than any piece of salmon you've ever had. Thank you, Hal. That sounds so Hal's good. Hal's my buddy. So good. And my son is obsessed with salmon. He would eat it every single night, and I'm always looking for some, some new way. Do you have a coal-fired grill? Well, I think I probably do have one in the garage, like the old school, <laughs> little, you know, like the little black you top one. in Oklahoma, one. don't you have to have one in the garage? Um, well, you, you, I live in Oklahoma. Everyone has to have at least three. Okay. <laughs> you got your brisket well, You know what one. you could do is yeah. if you do have a gas grill, you could do what's called off. Uh, what do you call it? You set it off. Like you turn the burners on in the front and then yeah. you put the salmon towards the back. So there's yeah. not direct heat. They have like there's that upper shelf that. you can put it on too. So it's not directly on the heat. Top shelf that thing. Top shelf it. <laughs> That's a good one. I'm liking That's it. That's a really good one. Liking it. All right. Do you have something That's else the best for thing us? I got what going. else do you recommend? Well, if I was to go back to more dramatic flares of earlier, <laughs> uh, not life like the last 10 to 20 minutes, uh, I would recommend, if you've heard of Netflix, uh, you've got to watch that film True Cost. Okay. Uh, I would just say, like, no matter what, grab a nice uh, libation of choice and sit down and spend an hour and 15 minutes watching the film True Cost, and it'll be a wonderful education moment in your life. I love it. it. Another reason to love Barrett, he's actually offering this lovely offer for our listeners. I would love to. I mean, I asked, I think it would, we would love for people that don't know us, and if you do know us, then take advantage of it anyways. But um, a 20% off code, uh, and we'll just call it selfie. Selfie. But we would just love Guys. you to get introduced to the brand. You know, if you, you know, we have that free returns if you want to try on different pairs of jeans and all those kind of things, beautiful bags. So uh, I would be grateful for anybody that would be interested in, in trying out what we're doing with that code. You guys, you need to take him up on this offer. I will say, Barrett, I'm very professional and I do my podcasting in my closet. So I'm right now sitting <laughs> across from a beautiful pair of gray suede lace-up booties that are new for fall. Nice. And they are amazing. And people might want (laughs) to check them out. I'm just saying. I would love to see a picture of those. (laughs) I'm sure it'll be on Instagram soon. (laughs) Beautiful. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Barrett. It's been great. Likewise. Thank you all for your support. I'm grateful. So fun talking to you. 
Likewise. Good to hear your voices. Thanks for joining us. Continue the selfie conversation with us on Instagram at at selfie podcast and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash selfie podcast. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to Selfie on iTunes so that you can catch up with us next week. A huge thanks to Shepherd Audio for our intro music. Take care.